Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Well, it's an honor to have Nathan Brown here talking with uh, the Spectrum community. Uh, welcome, Nathan. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to be here. And it's a long time since we've had the opportunity to chat, so it's kind of good on a personal level as well. Absolutely. I appreciated the series of short stories you wrote um, mm. for Spectrum a few years ago. And if folks want to read a little uh, fiction, I uh, <laughs> recommend that they uh, dig into those archives. I'll include a link in there. But more importantly than that, congratulations on a, a big project that uh, is uh, going to be part of the Adventist conversation for the next quarter. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to be at the, at the pointy end of something that has been a long-term project. Often when people come to me and say, I've got a book idea, my first thing is say, well, have you got 10 years? Um, because... <laughs> I kind of, even in my own writing life, that's been, a, you know, a lot of the projects to, that really mean something take that long time to grow and develop and mature and get through the processes and become better and then get out into the world. And it's pretty much the end point of um, that 10-year process. Well, congratulations, and um, you've also just depressed me terribly because it means I have just a few more projects in life <laughs> left. <laughs> well, you can overlap. It doesn't just mean 10 years focused on a single thing. So, um, you know, you can have multiple 10-year projects on the go. Good, good. I, I, this, uh, <laughs> this personal advice is already proving helpful. I ought well, to get, start up life coaching. It'll be a beautiful yeah, thing. Exactly. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Um, so just to back up here, we'll include a link to the book, which folks in the U.S. I understand can uh, get for free. They just have to pay $3 in shipping. Uh, it comes from ADRA. How does that work in the rest of the world? Are folks able to get the yeah. book for the least of these? It's available through all the normal Adventist Book Center outlets as well all over the world uh, in English. And it's also I've seen the Portuguese edition, and I've also believe that a couple of the Spanish publishing houses are producing editions of, as well. So it's pretty available everywhere. But Adra in North America, or Adra International in North America, are offering a special deal with it for three bucks for postage and handling. And um, other than that, the book's free. So that's from fantastic. Their website. So that's kind so of fun. Um, why don't you uh, kind of dig in a little bit and tell us about this uh, 10-year project. Uh, how did you get the idea and uh, to kind of talk about um, what your inspiration was? Yeah, so I've been um, working on this in conjunction with ADRA and um, for the Sabbath School Quarterly, which starts uh, beginning of July, so just started. Um, it's... Um, been a kind of a vision of saying we don't have a, we haven't spent a lot of time as a church focusing on a theology of justice. You know, we kind of like people that do good things in the world in a general sense. Uh, we have ADRA, which is our humanitarian, our aid and development agency of the church, uh, but we haven't spent a lot of time studying the Bible's repeated calls to do justice. Uh, you know, some people do the count and have come up with 2,100 verses out of 31,000. So one in 15 verses in the Bible talk about a call to do justice and God's concern for the poor, the least of these, the excluded, the marginalized. So I kind of think 
Yeah, we have uh, fundamental beliefs that are based on many fewer verses than that. And I kind of think that when something keeps coming up in the Bible, it's not purely a mathematical thing, but when God keeps coming back to it, it's probably something we should spend a little bit more time on. And as to, to our knowledge, it's not a topic we've ever had as a Sabbath school quarterly before. Uh, so about 10 years ago, and even a little bit before that, before I got involved, ADRA Australia, I started talking with them about the idea of what if we you know, wrote a Sabbath school quarterly, the church around the world could spend time focusing on it and studying some of these Bible verses, and um, we could hopefully... You know, we believe that Bible study is a significant thing in the life and the development and the growth of the church. And uh, so what? when we have something that we're passionate about and believe in and that the Bible has so much to say on, why aren't we studying it? So uh, in 2011, I, uh, Jonathan Duffy, who's the president now of ADRA International, was the CEO of ADRA Australia. And I worked with him and a couple of other people on his team to develop and write <clears throat> and research uh, the, the quarterly uh, lesson study. Uh, it's been through a bit of a process since then, and Jonathan now has moved from Australia to uh, the head of ADRA globally, and um, that's kind of helped the process. And uh, so is being published this quarter um, for the, as the lesson study right around the world. And then I had the opportunity last year to spend some time revisiting some of those themes for what is commonly called the companion book, uh, mm-hmm. for, the, for the least of these, published by Pacific Press. And uh, now that's, um, to me, that's kind of, you know, I wrote this first thing and worked on this, the research project seven years ago, uh, working with some of the others in the ADRA team. Uh, but now I got to revisit some of these topics, some of the same themes, but to go a bit deeper and further with them in the book. And, um, you know, I've learned a few things in the intervening time. So I think it's, there's a bit more in the book to discover as well. That's great. I'm looking forward to checking um, both the quarterly out, um, which I don't always say, to be honest, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to reading your book, which um, I uh, have said before. I really appreciate your writing. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, let's jump into a couple of the kind of ideas. Uh, folks uh, in the spectrum community are uh, familiar with the idea of social justice, but I'm wondering if there are some sub-themes that were particularly um, interesting for you to explore here. I don't want to give away the plot, uh, <laughs> but I'm just curious uh, what what really uh, energized you. Well, it's a bit of a cliffhanger ending, so we, you know, um, you know everything, everything ends happily. Um, <laughs> Great, yes. <laughs> that's in my reading of the story, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, firstly, I would say your comment using the term social justice you're already into a sub-theme there because okay. just, justice to me is a much bigger concept than merely social justice, social justice being a subset of justice. And it, particularly in a biblical sense, I would understand justice as God's intention, original intention and future intention for uh, how the world should be or how the world ought to be. And, um, yeah, we see that in creation. We see that in Revelation. And we see the call repeatedly coming to people who claim to follow God that they should be people of justice, agents of justice in the world. So social justice is one kind of justice. So that's the just ordering of society for the good of, uh, the, particularly for the good of the least, but for the good of all. And um, But we can also talk about all, all sorts of other aspects of society. 
oh, sorry, of justice. So we could talk about racial justice, environmental justice, international justice, um, economic justice, so many of these other things uh, that can be included in this big picture of justice. And, you know, often when we say justice, we talk about the justice system and we're talking about criminal justice, which is very much focused on, you know, retributive justice or punishment and some of these kind of things. So justice is a multifaceted thing of which social justice is a small part. Uh, perhaps is a significant part because when we live in that kind of, in, in, you know, we all live in society and so the questions of how society is ordered and how it can be bettered, better ordered is something that we spend a bit of time arguing about and probably often it's called politics, if and yeah. when politics gets to the better, better to its better nature. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this big picture of justice, I think, is what we're ultimately called to as followers of the Bible, you know, biblical justice. So then when we look at that, and I see very much um, traced out in the story of creation but also the fall of the basic relationships that we're all created for, relationships with God, relationships with ourselves, relationships with others, and relationship with the rest of creation. And so I see that that was how we created in these right relationships that provided everything for holistic human flourishing, to use that kind of language, uh, that the, each of those were stripped away in the narrative in, in Genesis chapter 3, uh, and then when we talk about salvation and the gospel and the renewal and recreation of all things, that that needs to focus, that our, our, our understanding of the gospel must respond to each of those four broken relationships. And so when we then step into the world and say, well, you know, we often when we start the conversation about justice, we actually start with looking at injustice. You know, we see the problems in the world around us. We see people who are hurting, people who are oppressed or marginalised or whatever they might be. Uh, but then, but our, our biblical understanding of justice starts before that. And so we come to those that brokenness, uh, that sin, that evil, that whatever it might be, and we have this story that prompts us to how things ought to be. And that's the work of justice is how, how can we act uh, in remembrance of how how we ought to be and in expectation of what the future will be uh, in the present and the transformative difference that that makes in the lives of people around us and particularly those most in need. That's great. Um, you know, I'm detecting a few um, kind of threads of Adventist theology in, in, in what you were just saying. And I was, I'm just curious if there's a, a kind of... Um, a particular contribution that you felt that um, kind of, you know, Adventist thought, uh, Adventist tradition, Adventist buzzwords, um, <laughs> in you know, can yeah. it, uh, kind of, um, let's say, enhances or or adds to the the ideas of the many uh, forms of justice that you um, mm. talked about there. I think it works. Yeah. Yeah. I think it works both ways. I think that we as Adventists should recognize uniquely the call to do justice. Uh, I think that, and even as the Sabbath School Quarterly and the Companion Book, if you look at them, they're a key sort of what I see as biblical milestones in the discussion of justice creation, Sabbath, worship, judgment, 
the gospel and expectation of uh, the advent, the second coming. And, and of course, all of that centered in Jesus. And when even in a traditional Adventist reading, when we read the three angels' messages, they are the key components of it. Hmm. And when we recognize that each of those components are dripping with their justice significance, uh, we recognize that there is something specially Adventist in this direction. Um, not, that it, not that I'm claiming this is an exclusive thing or that sure. nobody else gets it, but I think that perhaps we have some really good head starts uh, in what we do. I think also that um, we have the uh, both the writings and the uh, example of our Adventist pioneers, and so many people have explored that in, in some pretty great ways. But someone once commented to me, and I haven't been able to verify it, but it's a great story, that um, more than any other chapter of the Bible, Ellen White quoted Isaiah 58 huh. as a unique message to Sabbath-keeping people. And um, that, you know, what's the worship that God actually looks for there? What's the fast that he requires us to, you know, care for the poor and to feed the hungry and to set the captives free and, you know, all of the things that it works through there. And that, that is linked at the end of Isaiah 58 very closely with the call to keep Sabbath and call it a delight. Um, so I think there's a lot that's particularly Adventist there that should really capture, capture our Adventist imagination. And I think in the practice of, you know, the, the practices of Adventist faith, there is key things we've been doing that are core justice work that we just haven't quite understood in that way. Our focus on education and health is so much a part of, ed, um, you know, best practice development work all over the world. And Adventists, yeah. have been, Adventists have been doing that for years. We just haven't quite understood it in that kind of language. And I think that's really significant. But I think the other yeah. flip side of that, is that when we uh, that we have u- useful and unique things, not completely unique, but uh, things that we can add to the justice conversation in um, various Christian circles. And a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to uh, present at the Justice Conference here in Australia. You know, multi, you know, bringing together all sorts of Christian justice agencies and groups, um, and we did a workshop there on Sabbath. Um, and that was something that we could contribute to the conversation. Um, unfortunately, we haven't always couched Sabbath in the language of justice, but Sabbath is a practice of justice, and it recalibr- yeah. recalibrates our lives in so many ways that point us towards uh, a different way of living in the world. And so that was a contribution we could make and were recognized as able to make uh, in a multi, you know, multi-Christian kind of space like that. So... I think we should be excited about the good things we can contribute to those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned the Sabbath there because so much of the language around the Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath has to do with how we treat uh, others. And uh, that includes people in and outside of our borders, the borders of the Sabbath. Um, So uh, let's talk a little bit about you for a second. Um, How did you come to care about justice? Did you, (laughs) was this something that you learned in uh, Crater Roll Sabbath School or uh, or later on? Yeah, there's different starting points to every story, but um, I, you know, I grew up Adventist. My dad was a pastor. We were at church all the time. I went to a public high school and um, in grade I'm trying to think what it was, maybe grade nine or 10 or something like that. So 14 or 15, 
this um, street preaching kind of guy came to our church, came to our school, sorry, uh, and had a really bad cover band with him that played um, a version of "I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For" by U2. Oh. Um, and he kind of, because that was on the charts in the late 80s. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they were being hip and with it and, you know, trying to speak to the young people in a way that they could connect with. And then if the preacher guy, um, you know, drew some of the meanings out of that song and, you know, that was his way of trying to, you know, inspire us to um, to to understand just a little of the gospel. Um, the big effect it had on my life was, I kind of said to some of the guys, you know, from a sheltered Adventist background, I said, um, what was that song that those guys played? And um, so I got the, the, the dubbed tape off one of my friends of um, the Joshua Tree, and uh. um, that started a long odyssey of a fandom of U2. But, of course, from there, that was the jumping-off point to reading Martin Luther King and um, engaging with Amnesty International and all the things that was a, was part of what you two were on about back in those days, and um, it it just opened up this practical and uh, I guess at least potentially world changing aspect of faith that I hadn't particularly discovered. Um, I would say in my experience of growing up in church, and um, so I pursued that in various ways. Uh, I actually studied law straight out of school with a view that that was how I was going to change the world and um, got a little frustrated with that and um, started writing and then had various opportunities to tell people stories and to engage in causes and issues and ideas around justice and had a few key moments along the way and recently completed a Master's in Theology and Justice. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been one of those things that I've just kept coming back to over my 20-odd-year writing career for the church. That's great. Let's talk about writing. It's something, it's a contribution that you've made, um, not only significantly in Australian Adventism, but um, around the Adventist globe. And I'm curious um, how you, um, how you kind of create space in your life for (laughs) um, being, you know, for caring about um, the written word for for reading um, beyond mm. school and work and and <laughs> um, and what you would say to you know other Adventists who uh, also care about the writing life. Yeah, um, writing isn't much of a spectator sport, so I can't give you too much you know razzle dazzle <laughs> in that direction. Excitement. Um, <laughs> that's right. And and the reality is of writing is is you know if you want to be a writer if you want to make that happen, you've just got to put in the work and put in the time. Um, I read something recently which was, it was actually talking about ladies, mothers who were trying to write and they talked about writing as the third shift. You know, so you'd have your day job, you'd have your family responsibilities and you know your life and then the third shift is writing. And um, it kind of feels like that at times, even though I work in a context, you know, in a publishing house as a book editor, but, of course, you're doing everybody else's stuff, not necessarily your passion projects most of that time. Um, so writing is something that I, the way I sometimes describe it as reading and writing were hobbies that then took over my life in a good way. And, um, yeah, reading is a very important part of writing, but so is simply the process and the, and the time of just sitting down and doing it. I am not particularly structured in how I do that. Um, it's much more occasional and 
I actually do it pretty well when I'm traveling because I can just be in a hotel room late at night or early in the morning and I'm just doing it. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, some, I was teaching a writing class earlier this week and someone asked me what the best ideal conditions are for writing and I said a looming deadline. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so true. <laughs> because that's how it gets done. Yep. <laughs> a looming deadline and some coffee always helps. <laughs> Indeed. Um, well, uh, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. And I think for the last question, I'm just curious, you um, obviously um, uh, worked on this project and um, and saw it through for many years. And I'm sure there were some ups and downs in, in that process. And I'm just looking for a, kind of a little word of inspiration um, about what gives you hope um, in our Adventist community these days as, as we uh, struggle through all these important issues? Hmm. Um, yeah, for me, I guess what I see, and I have the opportunities to travel quite a bit within the church and interact with people at multiple levels of the church, but the things that most excite me are the people that are doing real things in their local communities and the potential that the larger church has. So not necessarily the reality, but the potential that the church has to make such a positive impact in the world as a voice for justice uh, on behalf of the poor um, in so many different ways. But uh, the more I've done, got involved with the work of justice, the more I've come to appreciate the potential of our church and its structure mm-hmm. and, and, and its different entities and how they can work together and how a local church can work with a local school or a, an ADRA community centre or a um, an aged care facility or, you know, different levels and entities that are part of the larger church system, which we sometimes get frustrated with and that they're all tripping over each other. But when they are focused on doing good things for people, they make sense. And that kind of excites me. I do. I am excited about the potential of our theology uh, when, when understood at its best uh, to make a difference in the world because ideas matter. And when we, when we really get into our theology and do it, as, do it well, uh, we have ideas that actually do matter and that make a difference in the world. So that excites me. Um, and even in this process, it's been a long, longer than usual process of getting a Sabbath school quarterly um, on this topic. And various, there's been many people who have contributed to it. But I get to the end of that process and say, despite all those challenges and hurdles and frustrations at times along the way, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, some, and, you know, there's a few people that have been a part of that process that, you know, have just had this kind of determination that this is a good thing for our church to be doing. And, you know, whatever, you know, we might criticize the church for sometimes not being on board with this, but for at least three months we are. And, yeah. um, and the potential of that, and you know, even when I was working on this project, when I was doing the initial research, you know, not quite a few years ago, you know, there was kind of this thing in the back of my mind with, what if someone gets fed? Because somewhere a group of people study this and it changes their attitude to the community around them and they step out and do something simple, as simple as that and make a difference in somebody's life. So there's so much potential and so much good and so much good that we can be doing based on, you know, what we have been given, our history, our theology, and our infrastructure that we have as a church. 
if they uh, if we can just hear that call to do justice, you know, we can do amazing things in the world, and we can really we, we may not be able to fix the world. We continue to trust that that's God's business, and He will bring that to its completion. But we can change the world right now, and I believe that's what He calls us to do. Well, that's a great way to end. Thank you so much for talking with me today and sharing your gifts with uh, all of us Adventists and the rest of the world. Not a problem. Thank you. Well, take care. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive.